HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at Heritage Radio Network. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's October 31st, 2017, and I think that means it's Halloween. In America, and I guess in England, too, but we're here. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the Good Beer Seal, and a big shout-out to Union Beer Distributors, supply of world-class ales and ciders. So uh, it's Halloween in New York City. People are putting on costumes over at Roberta's Pizza. There's a guy dressed as a slice, and there's a couple other superheroes, <laughs> and uh, we're on the subway, and we're having fun. But, guys, this is uh, our third week in a row or more doing cider, and um, we have a very special guests here tonight who are going to be at Cider Days up in Massachusetts this weekend. So let's go around the room and have everyone introduce themselves. Uh, B.R. Rolia with Shelton Brothers Importers. Welcome back. It's been Thank way too you. long. It's been a while. And you had some great stuff. You're at our event on Saturday, Cider Feast. You guys had Oliver and Freecon from Pennsylvania. Correct. Yeah. Tom Oliver, Oliver Cider and Perry, Herefordshire. Very nice to see you again, Jimmy. You too, man. And we, we were drinking uh, your Gold Rush from last year. And on the show tonight, we're going to have the first taste of the new Gold the Rush. The new Gold Rush. Uh, Ryan Burke, cider maker at Angry Orchard, Walden, New York. Great, man. So great to see you too. You guys did so much this weekend. I know you had Tom up up at up there and you did some dinners and yeah, some we did. Yeah. cider making. Tasting lots of cider, yes. Great. And you'll be at Cider Days too, <clears> won't you? Yeah, we will. Uh, talking about Perry... I'll be talking about Spanish Cider too on another panel, so yeah, it should be a good time. That's great, and we have another a special friend, also from England. Ahoy, hello. Uh, I'm Francesca Slattery from the Five Points Brewing Company in Hackney, East London. So on this show, we'll be talking cider, American and England, again, drinking cultures, and we will move it back to beer as well at the end. So guys, let's t- talk about what you guys have been doing, Tom and, and Ryan. You guys have been collaborating for a number of years. Tell us about your stories. Yeah, it started off uh, uh, for five years ago and uh, when Ryan was at Virtue, and uh, we started a Gold Rush collaboration, which has evolved over time. And uh, the present one is the fifth one, and uh, we've nuanced it a little bit this time to suit what we think is going to be a great cider uh, to everybody to enjoy both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, because the palate in the UK is a little more developed for tannic ciders. It's not quite as well developed over here, but we're trying to make a cider that's going to suit everybody, which is a lovely challenge. And Tom, a quick backstory on on Oliver's. Uh, So uh, the main thrust of the farm, it's it's a farm-based cidery. Uh, The farm's been in the family for about 150 years. The orchards have been in uh, that area for 300 years. And uh, my grandfather uh, was a cider maker, uh, my father wasn't actually, uh, but I've kicked it all off again, um, and uh, I'm very much enjoying uh, the results of our labors. And then, Ryan, uh, th- a little bit about your 
you know, participation with Gold Rush, how you first started going to England. Yeah, sir, first I, met I, I first started going to England and met Tom uh, at the same time. Uh, I came over for the Royal Bath and West show, which is a, a farm show that has a, a you know, a, a really well-recognized uh, cider competition. Um, so I went over there to attend, uh, experience English cider, eat lots of English cheese and uh, meet Tom. Um, and that's really when the, the collaboration uh, our collaborative spirit kind of kicked off and hasn't hasn't slowed down. Uh, this is year year six, I suppose, of us knowing each other, and we've produced five, six, going on seven different ciders. Um, so uh, it's it's been a it's been a fun ride. Well, I had the, I had the Gold Rush. I guess it was last year's Gold Rush or the other day. But I know you're going to taste us on the the new Gold Rush. Mm-hmm. And more about cider in England, Ryan. You know, you you go over there for some competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, I, I've developed uh, the palate for, um, you know, kind of rough-edged uh, English high tannin ciders. And it's really one of the only places you can drink cider that is that way. And certainly there's great cider cultures that are, that are phenomenal to visit uh, for their own uh, 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 taste and culture. But uh, in England, the tannin um, is a little bit more aggressive than everywhere else. It tends to be softer in places like France and, and Spain. Um, and certainly America. And so I've, I've really developed a taste for West Country Cider. Um, and, um, you know, Tom's been a guide for me uh, through, a, through a lot of that. So let's, let's do this. So we're tasting for the first time the new, is it, can you call it a vintage of the cider? Or? Yep, I'm very happy with the word vintage yep. to describe <laughs> it, yep. Um, yep, number five. Cheers. Yeah, so this is a fun one. We went... Um, I came over in May-ish um, of this year, and we really, we really went at it. We tasted through all kinds of barrels, thirty odd barrels. Really, really got deep into this one, deep, kind of deeper than than in years past. We just had more time to spend on it. Um, so yeah, and it, it was good because with the multiple visits, we could build the blend as time went on. Um, so we didn't have to rush through anything. Um, so it was quite a leisurely uh, approach to this. Um, and we've managed to get something that's got some real nice structure to it and that lovely long lingering tannin at the end, a little bit of roughness on the tongue um, and that big sort of strong uh, apple skin I think really comes through. Yeah, I think what 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 I I wasn't there unfortunately, but the, our friends at Beavertown through a, a, over in London through a big uh, beer festival um, and I think at the end of the night this was the... Uh, yeah, the... the, the drink a choice um, for all the brewers yeah so <laughs> it's really nice it's in a it's in a, a smaller bottle than before right so you can we, we had a dinner the other night up in cornwall and we were just drinking it right out of the bottle no glass no pretension just hanging out and drinking the cider it was the perfect cider for the occasion and then that was before dinner and then we had it at dinner with you know uh, a rabbit sausage lamb shanks and like a foie gras sauce so it was hanging out by the fire and then it was at the table just destroying what was put in front of it and just pairing perfectly. It's so now, so back to New York. So uh, this weekend, I know you guys had that dinner. Tell me what what the pairings were. What what food? What ciders you served? Yeah, well, I guess I started at the end there. But, um, I think well, one of the ciders we'll have it here um, is our Edu, our Angry Orchard Edu, and it's a um, a Spanish inspired cider, very inspired by the the, the food and cider uh, culture of Asturias, Spain, uh, distinct from the Basque region, also a cider producing region. Um, we had that with sort of past, um, you know, tapas, past pinchos. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what was next. I think then we did. Oh, we did a. Uh, it was a duck, uh, a, a duck uh, salad uh, with like uh, with kind of rough greens, and that was with a single variety Newtown Pippin cider that we do, which is a New York State um, founded apple. Newtown uh, is Queens. And so that apple was discovered there, and we we really want to focus on you know New York original varieties and make ciders about that from edu- you know for an educational standpoint, but also it makes great cider. Um, then we had the gold rush with the with the duck as I mentioned. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, the the rabbit as I mentioned. And yeah. then um, wooden sleeper. Oh yeah, we do a bourbon barrel aged cider for when we had that with dessert, which was which was awesome. That's great. the one that's ten percent. Yeah, yeah, it's a <laughs> yeah. tough drink. <laughs> Well, for you guys, Francesca, you know, you're, you're from England as well. You're in the, the beer business. You know, I, I, I like the way Tom talks about cider. Do you feel that you guys have a different appreciation for, for what's in the glass in England? Or are you able to talk about it differently than Americans? Um, it's quite 
That's an interesting point. I think I've been having a lot of conversations since I've arrived in New York on a, what is a busman's holiday. It's been terrible, drinking loads of beer in really great bars. It's been really hard work. Um, and we were having the same discussion about do you have an appreciation for what's in the glass and then talking about food. And I feel like we absolutely do have an appreciation, but I think you guys do too. I think that there's a lot that we're kind of learning from what's happened in America first and then it kind of arrives in the UK. So this kind of appreciation for taproom culture, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there's a way to go still because there's always anyone who's not a beer drinker, I always think is yet to be a beer drinker. So you have a conversation with them about, okay, cool. You like cider? Well, would you like to try this beer? And you like wine? Would you like to try this beer? And uh, you know, I hold my hands up that um, I'm learning about cider tonight, pretty much, with, uh, right. with these uh, wonderful experts here. But it's it's about talking and tasting, well, right? Welcome Simple. to the show. Thank you very much. And BR, much. for you, tell us about when, when you guys, the Shelton Brothers, first uh, discovered Oliver and you guys brought it to the state. You didn't have cider before that, did you? I don't think we did. We might have been helping a little bit with Farnham Hill at the time. I'm not sure. This was, I mean, you came in before I started with the company. and Was it Will who... No, it's Ron Extract. Oh, sorry, yeah. Ron, yeah. yeah. It's Ron. Um, um, and it's interesting. The whole the whole thing with cider came through Lakeview Liquors, I think, in, in Chicago. Uh, and uh, Christina Boziak there, who, who, who seemed to attract everyone who wanted to drink cider, went to buy cider there. So that was where Ryan first found Oliver's cider. And it was because Ron had come over to England. I'd shown him around everywhere uh, uh you know all the different cideries we could find or different orchards uh different places where it was sold and just trying to show him w- what a wonderful situation cider was in the uk uh and he really enjoyed his time uh, but what i hadn't really worked out was they were also looking t- to bring a cider over to the us and uh, lo and behold uh you know oliver's was the cider of choice so that was great, and then from there we were able to. I was able to help introduce other ciders uh, to the cider category. So there's probably half a dozen cider makers in the UK now who are in the US uh, because of that one visit. So uh, it's 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 worked out really great. And we're doing. I mean, it's yeah, that was great. It's you know our first real real cider signing, and you know since then have picked up a few recommendations through Tom from England. Uh, we also have a French cider maker, a Spanish cider maker. Who, who are some of the English ciders? Uh, Ross on Y is one of the ones we've got, um, and then we've got two New Zealand cider makers actually, uh, and uh, some American ones are coming into the fold as well. So it's uh, it's yeah, it's great. I mean, it's also really interesting to see you know specifically in cider because it's still at least when you're talking about about Europe, fairly regional specific. You know, a British cider maker is making primarily British styles, which are completely separate from the Normandy ciders. And it's really nice to have that distinction where the American cider makers are great because they're picking from all different influences. But we'd like to have, you know, same as with beer, where we have our very, very traditional German Keller beers and lagers, and as well as, you know, the American versions of, you know, kind of mixing and matching styles. Yeah, well, funny you say that because I, <laughs> I just poured you our, uh, you know, Angry Orchard's take on a, a Spanish style cider, particularly from Asturias. Uh, this is actually the first cider out of Walden that we've done a second vintage of. People really gravitated towards it. It's a great way to introduce people to that uh, side of the cider industry, which we are, you know, enamored by. Um, you know, and it, it, well, it's getting more play. You're starting to see Spanish cider, especially in New York. It's really we live in a great city to drink cider from around the world it's pretty amazing so if you like cider and you're here you're in the right place and then what's the name of the cider again it's called edu edu um and it's named after um well he now is a I- importer and distributor in asturias uh, one time just a cider enthusiast eduardo coto uh who is a is a good friend of mine there and uh, through him i was able to travel around spain i don't speak much spanish he acted as an interpreter for me and i was able to really dive into spanish cider making techniques so i've been over there you know three or four times and uh, by way of him, I've really been able to dial this in. And so I figured it was um, appropriate to name the cider after him. Uh, and it's, it's, it's done really well. And, you know, I think he's, he's really proud of it. So it's, it's been a fun project. And Tom, have you been around the world tasting different ciders? Or are you just like Eng- Anglo-centric? No, I, I'm, I'm definitely been all around the world tasting lots of ciders. Um, and it's, it's been one of the great, uh, I think, privileges of um, what I do is it's given me the opportunity to do just that. Uh, and so uh, I, think I've, I think I've got a, a, a fair idea in my head about what I'm going to ex- expect from each country and from the different ciders, the different apples, 
uh, the different ways of making cider, um, those that are telling the truth, those that are not quite telling the truth, you know, all those things that happen with cider. You, you, uh, it's a great voyage. Uh, the main thing, and I think the, the thing where cider really does hold its, its, its own and wins out more than not, often than not is with food. And in the countries where the culture allows for the cider and food to come together, uh, we've got a really winning proposition there, which is really good. And it's something I think we need to work on. Ryan, just going back, you said Chicago, Lakeview Wines, you kind of did a high five. Tell us about your time in Chicago. And Yeah, I mean, in my um, back in homebrew days, uh, so around 2007, uh, I was lucky enough to be in Chicago where there was a pretty – a pretty uh, fantastic scene, if you want to call it that, of, of homebrewing. And so really just active uh, brewers, um, you know, and throwing parties and kind of pushing each other. And at, at that time, I was still make, I was making cider and beer. Um, and, you know, honestly lucky to be in the same city as Westlakeview Liquors. And I think anyone at that time getting exposed to some of the great craft beer of not just America, but of the world, and then certainly cider, it was the epicenter in Chicago for that. And so there, there's, there's brewers and cider makers, uh, you know, around the country that I think would agree with those statements. They just really, it, it was a place that encouraged you to try new things. And because of Christina, uh, I tried Tom's cider for the first time. And that was the moment I'd had cider, you know, for years before that I grew up in upstate New York. That's what we drank. That's what we made. Um, but when I had, uh, the Hereford, uh, Perry dry, that blew my fucking mind. Can I swear on the radio? Sorry. Um, it <laughs> did. But it did. It really did. I'd never tasted anything like that. And I knew at that moment that this is, I wanted to drive this way. And that was sort of the crossroads of sour beer really coming on the scene. And you could get Cantillon at the time. It was on the shelf. Um, those, those kinds of things, you know. And so Oliver's was kind of right in that same space. I mean, you actually could get Cantillon then. Right. Nobody yeah. wanted it. <laughs> Back when my life was much easier. <laughs> <laughs> and cheers since we said Chicago cheers to Michael Roper at the Hop Leaf oh yeah also cheers to Michael icon, for sure uh, and to Michael. the Hop Leaf in general was, was just a, such an awesome space and Mike yeah Mike is again another guy that that just brought it I mean Chicago is such a great place to get introduced to craft um, you know at that at that age for me and I think so many other another people another toast Chicago yeah. Michael Roper Hop Leaf alright we'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio alright In 1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly L. Knife & Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's Halloween at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, and the staff is dressed crazy. If you're out, out and about, come on over. There's a guy wearing... You can't get slices at Roberta's, but there's a guy wearing a slice shirt, so this is a crazy town. All right, Halloween is actually awesome in New York City, and um, we're drinking cider for, for Halloween, which is pretty cool. We've had three weeks of cider shows, Cider Week NYC, and coming up... Cider Day is up in Massachusetts, which is what? It's more like sedate. It's like talks, and it's about growing apples, right? It's not really like a party. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a party element. It's not that lame. <laughs> no, there's a bit of a party element. There's a big tasting, two sessions on Saturday, which are great. And it, it really is probably one of the best p opportunities 
for someone that wants to try cider or is already an educated cider drinker to taste stuff from around the world uh, and around the country because so many people, so many cider makers want to be there because we all kind of congregate in this little town and there's sessions um, and it's geared towards both drinkers and cider makers. So things to learn, you know, uh, rock stars like uh <laughs> yeah tom, like tom what, oliver is there you know talking about perry and so you know you as a cider maker you want to sit in on that and 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 learn something from from the perry man himself <laughs> it 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 is good but what i think the thing that fascinates me is it it caters for somebody who wants to make a couple of demijohns worth uh, it, you know in his in his cellar or somebody who wants to make uh, you know millions of liters it, that that the, the whole thing can everybody feels comfortable there and you, if you feel encouraged and empowered to, you know, just enjoy cider and enjoy what goes into it and the knowledge base that's there, the people like John Bunker and stuff, the knowledge, Steve Wood, the knowledge they have of apples and of how to grow them and everything it is, is, is brilliant. And, and you, can, you can sit in on free things, uh, talks and stuff, and learn so much. And you're surrounded by other people who, who just want to learn too. So uh, uh, Franklin County Cider Days, I, I, you know, I, my hat is off to them. It is a fabulous event. I think it's I think it's particularly special too because it's so much about apple varieties at this particular uh, uh, event because we're in the East Coast. There's a huge history of traditional cider apples, and most of the people that are coming in there from the smallest producers on up are really thinking about that and bringing those ciders to the to the table for people to taste because. You know, there's the heritage and the history on the East Coast that's really special, um, and so so Cider Days really is the opportunity to taste American traditional ciders, heritage ciders. And uh, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, America and, uh, and England, and, and one of the great differences at Franklin County Cider Days, as opposed to what ha- happens in uh, England, is you can go to the orchards and you can buy the apples, eat the apples, taste the apples, um, and and see and see for yourself exactly what's going on. And we don't have that sort of tradition in the UK so it's, it is a tremendous opportunity to just drive around and you you don't even have to like cider as uh, as alcohol you can like uh, you know like it as apple juice or sweet cider as you would say and and just taste the apples uh, it, it and it it's a marked difference from the UK there and Ryan when you're when you're in the UK you know I want you to talk about making the gold rush with yeah. Tom, but you know where do you guys hang out? And and, and Francesca too is—is is there a difference between cider drinkers and beer drinkers in England? You know, I, I feel that when when I do meet you know people from England, they seem to know about regions like Astorius, and they they seem to be familiar with cider styles where I feel like a lot of Americans aren't. I think there's there. I mean, in the places that we hang out, say if we're in London, I mean, I think on average the bars that we would be in we're not there specifically for cider but you'll be there and if they have a really interesting beer program they probably have some great cider too and so i think there's some similarities in the drinker that wants uh craft beer and great cider is sitting at the same bar a lot of the time um i I don't know if you think that's true yeah i think so but there's you know there are some real um uh, cider-centric places like in Borough Market, which is a wonderful uh, uh, food market, but also it's a wonderful place uh, for getting cider at the London Cider House, run by New Forest Cider, uh, and it, it, that is superb. There's now um, an urban cidery come through, and that urban cidery has got a whole uh, uh, um, pressing set up there, so you can actually go along to to this bar. And uh, you can buy cider, sit around outside, and you can actually see the apples being pressed while you sat there. Uh, that's a whole new departure, yeah, and that's in the middle of London, and that's quite something. A little cider got into the microphone. I did, <laughs> did. Yeah. Um, and for you, Francesca, it, it, you know, for you, cider drinking in England versus beer drinking. Oh, you know, other yeah. people. I remember in like absolutely fabulous. The old ladies would make fun of their sixteen-year-old daughter because she would go, she would only drink cider, cider and it was, it was, yeah. she was considered a lightweight. Um, well, it, that's very regional. So, you know, if you're proper from the West Country, um, you have utmost respect for cider and it is not a lightweight drink whatsoever. Partly why I've avoided it because I'm not too <laughs> sure I can handle it. Um, but yeah, I think the, the thing that you said here about the whole, if you've got good beer, you can hope that there's good cider. That's definitely something that I think has happened in the last um, maybe decade or so. There's an appreciation for the fact that good drink is good drink, right? So... You want good quality, you want heritage, you want to know where it's from. Obviously, local sort of um, 
heritage is important. Where is it? Is it from around the corner? Is it from the countryside? And talking about Borough Market, that's wonderful. I mean, I'm just shout out to Borough Market Choir because I sing in it. Uh, just, just saying hi. Um, yeah, wonderful place again. For, so your market for, has a choir? Yeah, Borough Market has a choir. Uh, I've been in it for four and a half years and we, we make beautiful music. Hi, guys. Um, but yeah, no, it's just the, the whole beer thing versus the cider thing. I think what's important and what's really emerging is that what's good for one is good for all. OK, yeah. so if you really appreciate really good beer, why can't you appreciate good cider? If you get into sours like I just have done actually quite recently, I can totally appreciate the cider that's been put in front of me today, which is delicious, yeah. by the way, in a much greater way than I could have done previously. I, I think, uh, I mean, and let's not discount our friends in wine too, right? There's a, sure. there's a, and even spirits, right? I mean, there's this interesting cross section of drink that it just doesn't matter anymore to me, you know, like, I, you know, Armagnac, sour beer, uh, Calvados, uh, you know, great, great heritage ciders, um, you can, and, and natural wines, right? There's all just, it all kind of is coalescing and there's just these interesting flavors. It just doesn't matter what the drink is. Ryan, what's in the glass right now? Something yeah. that you could keep, yeah. we went from a kind of a, a still, you know, yeah, yeah. historian style to this nicer I might say before Sparkling. I tell you that Borough Market, just one more shout out to it. My num my thing you asked where I hang out when I come to England, when I go to England, my number my 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 method is I get off a plane at Heathrow and I go immediately to Borough Market. That's at ten AM. That's when New Forest Cider opens. I go to see Mary Top and I drink a pint of uh, her Kingston Black, and then I just walk around and eat free food until I need to go to sleep. <laughs> but the Borough Market is just the we're just such an unbelievable. And then you sing play. in the choir. And then I sing right, and then yeah. and then right. And then we, we, which you failed to mention my singing in the choir. <laughs> <laughs> all, all welcome. All yeah. Uh, Tom, is that what your life is like in England? It is. It is. You do start singing after you've had a few pints of the New Forest Kingston Black. <laughs> mm. I can tell you that. So the word "merry" that's 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 kind of what he's describing. It's, it is. Yes. It's very suitable. Uh, uh, th this, this next cider is, um, I sort of, it was Halloween, so I wanted to dress up as a European and I brought, uh, two ciders, uh, that I made inspired by, uh, Europe. Uh, one was the Adu. This one is called Dear Brittany with a comma after it, i.e. a love letter to, uh, Brittany, France. And so it's a cider that is, um, traditional French, um, apples, bittersweet apples. It's a keeb cider. So wild fermentation, essentially we disadvantage the cider, uh, over time to retain some natural sweetness and then let the cider finish in the bottle. So the carbonation, it's bottle conditioned. Um, and so very much meant to uh, be like what you might drink uh, in the uh, coastal, coastal. Tom, Britney. when you're mm. upstate, you know, visiting with, you know, with Ryan, yeah. anything, observations about the cider making operation, what, what, what he's trying to do as an American cider maker? Uh, I, I think, I think the thing that uh, um, is, is exemplary about Ryan is that he has traveled the world looking at cider and looking at the way cider is, the way it tastes, uh, the apples that go into it. Uh, he's got a great uh, creative mind and a great palate. And so he's going back uh, to upstate New York and in his facility, he's really making the most of all the opportunity he's got to produce a, just a wonderfully varied selection of ciders that drink great, taste great. Um, and it's 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 all it's all about opportunity and it's season season opportunities uh, because cider in the UK cider can easily sit as a heritage and tradition product and not go anywhere uh, and that's that's almost impossible for something nowadays that wants to thrive if you don't go somewhere you you are going to die and I really the thing that I get by coming over here is I get the energy and the enthusiasm and real know-how that's developing. And it really inspires me to go back home, try and do better, try and do different, uh, and try and engage you know, with more people uh, that cider can be a great drink, which it, which it can be, which is actually where um, we were talking about beer and cider. There's traditionally been a little bit of a rub sometimes between older beer producers and cider makers, usually revolving around the duty uh, limit. Uh, sorry, the duty that's uh, levied on cider or beer. But what I'm finding with younger side, uh, younger beer um, producers uh, and brewers, uh, their enthusiasm for cider knows no bounds because now sours have come on uh, the scene and wild yeast fermentations are getting hip. That We're getting an awful lot of crossover between cider and beer. So, you know, uh, one of the first ones to kick it all off was uh, Garrett Oliver, uh, Brooklyn Brewery uh, with Thornbridge and me doing the Serpent, and uh, recently I've done uh, three collaborations with uh, Johnny Mills from Mills Brewing, 
who's who's a wonderful young brewer who's got a really great imagination and understands that things take time uh, and understands sours and understands wild yeast fermentations so you know there there's a whole new world out there if if uh, a beer inside of people would talk with each other and so and Ryan are you one uh, at the Royal Bath and West that's one of the bigger cider competitions so you won mm, as an American once. Uh, is there any uh, any just, just resentment yes, by you. the English? Or? Yes, apparently. <laughs> Are you the first American to win? Well, I, I'd like to I'd like to say that there is an international category, and I, and I won the international category, and and so that's great. But I'd like to point out uh, additionally that in, at the Hereford competition there isn't an international category, Tom, uh, and that, which we which we uh, were proud proud to take take the cup this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, well uh, many congratulations. Uh, it was an absolute privilege for me to be able to uh, organize the presentation of the yeah. um, Master Cider Makers Cup to Ryan uh, at my uh, at my cider house. Mm. Uh, it was it was great to see him winning and you know just best of luck to him for the future. But but, but it, 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 of course of course it's fun. It sounds it, like he won't be back next right? year. It's fun to brag and poke but but the reality is you know five years ago there's no way that I could have done that and Time after time after time visiting Tom and really understanding fermentation from an English perspective. I mean, the ciders that we made were very uh, much influenced by England and really by Tom. He's really my he's 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 my my man in England, right? Who really has brought brought me around and 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 took me through blending processes and fermentation and why apples matter and all of those things. And so, um, you know. I like to poke and give him a hard time. The reality is, if I didn't know Tom, you know that cup wouldn't be sitting at, at the cider house in Angry Orchard. So, um, you know, really, the thanks goes to him. Yeah, but I am determined to win it this year. But I'm gonna. <laughs> but I. But I will. <laughs> a little healthy rivalry. Yeah. And beer, you know, um, for us, you know, in, in the states, whenever you get Oliver cider in, we go nuts. Yeah. Um, you want to say anything about how it's selling, or you yeah. don't really get that much of it, do you? We get a fair amount. Um, it, it's uh, it does. I would say it's probably the best selling of all of our ciders. I mean, first of all, because we've had it the longest in our portfolio, but also because I mean, and, and Tom is out there all the time. Like I don't know how many times you come to the U.S. It's really frequent. Yeah. And then also, you know, people meet him and they try the ciders. They go to events, and that helps a lot when we're talking about really tiny producers. Um, and of course, the ciders are stellar. So you know, it's an easy sell when <laughs> when they're that good. You never tell them that she represents me, would you? You have no <laughs> idea at all. And there's no bias in that. That's the great thing about BR. She, there's no bias. No, no bias all. whatsoever. And you guys have been joining the hip. I mean, I saw you guys Saturday. You've been. You know, tell us more. You know, so what else is going on upstate? You're. Yeah, uh, yeah. We Tom Tom's been up the last couple of days. Um, we sent some cider over from the UK that we had worked on in the past. Um, just a, a really simple base, high tan, high tannic cider. Um, we also made a, a sort of simple base, high high tannin cider. Um, again, all wild fermentation on on both sides. So we're sort of doing these uh, fermentations simultaneously, um, but in different places. Um, and then you know, kind of we've taken a base, made a base cider out of that, and kind of built off that over the last couple of days to develop a new, you know, collaboration cider between the two of us. So um, what it's going to be, we don't know yet, but we're, we're continuing to work on it. We'll be, we'll be back up there tonight and up early tomorrow morning uh, continuing to work on it. Great. Does it sound like hard work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's the whole thing. I mean, you know, there's pressing cider, there's, there's, there's harvesting apples and, is it hard work? It is. Know? It's a, it's a very physical uh, occupation. I mean, I think you know you could say the same about brewing that it's a very physical occupation. But um, you know, cider usually uh, is a fairly. Um, it, 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 you can't decide when the fruit's ripe. You can't decide when you've got to go and pick it. When it's ripe, you've got to go and pick it. It doesn't matter what the weather is. Um, you have to be out pruning, and it's usually uh, you know covered in snow or frosty or really cold. And then, you know, the whole thing is it's an agricultural product and it's really important that you, you know, you're physically up to making cider. I don't think, um, I don't think you can make cider and uh, not, not be uh, physically uh, up for it. And then Francesca, what do you think? These, these guys are having a good conversation. Um, I'm massively. Imp- I'm just sorry. I'm just drinking the cider. I, I, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I had to listen to it. But uh, well, no. we're hoping that your your, your beer is cold because we're going to yes, take a short break. When we come back. We'll taste some beer as well on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. And if you notice a little buzz, it's it's a uh, the little uh, <laughs> part of our technology is on the fritz, and surely there will be a fundraiser soon for Heritage Radio Network dot org. Help us a out. Member. Help us Help out. Us out. Uh, we're out on like episode four hundred and seven. We want to go another four hundred. All right. So, um, Francesca, you know, you were introduced to us by by a, a listener in England, mm-hmm. Gareth. Yes. Give him a big shout out. Thanks, Gareth. Hi. How's it going? Yeah, we bumped into each other at the Great British Beer Festival, um, and he was like, "Hey, how's it going?" And then New York came up. We said we we're going on holiday, and he was like, "Right, I know who you should be in touch with." So yeah, cheers, Gareth. It's it's awesome. Yeah, so we got you on the show, and his full name is Gareth. What Smith is it? Yes, Gareth Smith. Thank yeah. you, Gareth, listening in England. Um, so we're gonna taste some beer now. Too. We've done so many cider shows. We got to bring it back to beer. Our buddy Ethan is there keeping track of everything we taste on Untap. So back to beer, Ethan um, and Tom and Ryan. It's it's gonna be cool to have you guys taste taste this beer. So tell us quickly about your brewery, where it's located. Sure. And a short, yeah. you know, history of it. So Five Points Brewing Company is based in Hackney in East London. It is called Five Points because we're next to a five-pointed road junction. Very glamorous. Um, We brew under a railway arch and we've been going for four and a half years. We're independent and we started with three people and three beers and we're now 26 people and 10 plus So you guys are soon going to be selling what, in Dublin? Well, I, I personally <laughs> am moving over to Dublin. Uh, I, I'm relocating my life uh, due to my partner uh, moving over there. So I'm going with him. And we both love beer. And the beer scene over there is great. And uh, we'd love to be part of it. So, yeah, we're uh, hopefully going to be able to uh, have some five points over in Dublin. We're already selling in uh, Europe, in, uh, in Italy. We've had a great relationship there. So it's been going really well. Great. Um, so the beer that's coming around now. So all our beers are unfiltered and unpasteurized. And the beer that I'm passing around is one of the original three I spoke about that we, we, we debuted with. And it's called Hook Island Red. It is a red rye beer and it's got a 20% rye content, which I'm led to believe by the brewers because just to disclaimer, I'm not a brewer. I'm, I'm a talker, um, which is why I'm here. Um, basically, they say to me that 20% is the highest you can go with your rye content before you start not getting beer. Basically, it won't ferment otherwise. So it's a very high rye content. It's got three different American hops and it has got six different types of malts. So this is probably our most complex beer in some respects. It was quite ballsy that we debuted with this, I think, um, as one of our core beers. It's called Hook Island Red because of its origins in the name Hackney. There's uh, there's some things going on there about uh, uh, water and rivers and it's all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's so, um, Tom and Ryan, what are some good places to drink beer in, in, in England? And is, it, is this a typical beer, you know, of, of what's coming out in England right now, English craft beers? It's probably... Uh, I'm probably not the right person to ask, but mm-hmm. there seems to me to, to be just um, a, a plethora of great... Uh, uh, breweries all, all around the place now you know not just london but all, all around the country and uh um uh, you know um I'm, I, I'm probably not the man to pass comment on this but if if 20 rye is the maximum you can go to francesca i take your word for it um, <laughs> and it does taste very ballsy so yeah excellent. it does well i was gonna say the, well what i notice yeah. and maybe because i'm american i just notice when i'm in london a lot of american style ipa everywhere everyone's making ipas and they're using american hops which mm-hmm. is Sort of an interesting uh, thing, to, you know, change in beer, right? All of a sudden, uh, the American hops are of interest to Europeans. As before, we were clamoring for European hops, and man, hasn't that changed? And you know, I, I would agree, based on what I see in London, that the IPA, the American style IPA, is what's everywhere. And this mm-hmm. is quite a departure from that. This mm. is really nice, deep, and robust, and uh, a, you know, a bit of a sipping beer, and actually perfect for a day like today. And this is this is a really nice drink. Yeah, it does very well for us at this time of year. It's um, it's got that spicy element to it, and as you say, it's got guts. It's very gutsy, um, which is why I love it. And um, the reason I think that, I mean, we we do use American hops, just to say. I mean, we've obviously got uh, Chinook, Columbus, and Simcoe American hops in this, is because hops love UV, right? <laughs> love sunlight, and we don't have as much sunlight in the UK, perhaps as you guys do. But um, it's still it's still going well. It's still uh, we've got some beautiful hop, uh, English hops in in some of our beers. Um, but we just felt like this kind of style, as we said, we're going for the ballsy, we're going for the rye. It's got to be big and bold. Got to go for those uh, American... Great, let's get the next one, brownie, huh? Yeah, Brickfield Brown. So this is something that is actually very much um, coming back to, so if I can say, those unsexy beer styles. So mm. there's a big thing where everything goes in trends, right? So the American style IPA that you talked about, Ryan, is because obviously IPA is, is everyone's talking about at the moment. Pale ales, IPAs going for a renaissance. Back in the 60s, everyone was drinking milds and browns. 
well, browns aren't the sexy thing right now. And we decided that that wasn't cool because browns are sexy and they're beautiful and they are another, another lovely, robust beer. So this is our Brickfield Brown, named after the fact that there were bricks actually made in Hackney area, dried out when the whole industrialization thing happened. And this has uh, six different malts on it. It has golden naked oats in it. And it does have one hop. It is an American Willamette hop, but Willamette is very versatile. It allows the malt to speak. So this is very much a malt-based beer. It's sweet. It's unctuous. It's delicious. It's a hug in a glass is basically how we describe it. I think unctuous is my favorite descriptor word. Yes. Such a good word. <laughs> Beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I'll say that for, bo- for both styles, I'm glad you poured these because I really enjoy low ABV robust beers like this so you can just you can really sit down and have a good session with these beers mm-hmm. and they're uh they're good dinner beers right this is good steak yes. beer um yes. this is great at the table this is great just on its own too but um man i want to have so dinner now where should i be drinking in <laughs> london so you guys have a couple of sister bars mm-hmm. ryan besides borough market you know where do you like to drink pr- pr- probably my all-time go-to is, is the is the king's arms and, and bethnal green uh and one of the reasons is I think well, I think they they do bring in a bunch of American craft brewers, um, and I I I was over and I was at the Brew Dog Bar just on the road, and I heard that um, uh, Chad um, uh, from um, uh, what's why did I just blank on his name in Denver Sour Beers Jacobson. Chad Jacobson yeah Chad Jacobson was at Crooked State uh, was yeah. it from Crooked State wow. was sorry Chad uh, was <laughs> um, hi Yetta uh, was down the road and I was like oh I get excited about Crooked State yeah man. well so yeah. everyone's like Ch- Chad Jacobson's down the road Crooked State tap takeover at this bar I'd never been there before so I you know I ran down the street basically and went to see meet up with Chad and um, got to talking with him and uh, bragged about my uh, English friend Tom Oliver, and they weren't carrying Oliver cider there at the time. Uh, they got in touch with Tom and started pouring Oliver's there, and so it's just become a place that's like it's great to hang out. The food's fantastic. The beer program is great. Cider program is great. And in fact, uh, aside from one other place in Hereford, it's the only place that we send uh, the ciders we make up in Walden, New York, over to London. Two places. One place is at the King's Arms. Um, and one place is uh, yeah. uh, the Hereford Beer House, yeah, where yeah. Tom's from. Shout out to the Hereford Beer House. What's and up, John, Johnny? Johnny Brighton, Emily. Yeah, excellent place to go drinking beer and cider. Yeah, and um, the King's Arms is like around the corner from our warehouse. So that's we, we also love it very much. Yeah. And um, you mentioned the sister bars as well. And the thing to mention is that we haven't talked about cask beer because we know that is a very British thing. You talk about what's the differences. Cask beer, real ale, um, is very good. Lots of great drinking places to have that. And uh, we're, we're a cask beer brewer as well. And uh, the Rake in the Borough Market is one of them, but mm. also our sister bar in Leeds. And uh, we've also got the craft beer bar called Mason & Company in Hackney Wick. And it's all about kind of not just having our beer, but showcasing not just great London beers, great UK beers, and international from America as well. So it's, uh, there's lots of great places. Awesome. And beer, what's this beer you just poured us? Now back to beer. Beer back on beer, cider Back to drink. beer. I, I wasn't sure how much beer, you know, I want to make sure we have enough beer and cider to drink. So I just threw this in the bag. It is um, a beer from uh, Vietnam, from Saigon. Uh, Pasteur Street Brewing Company uh, is a, a new addition to the Shelton Brothers portfolio. And it's uh, some American expats who are in Vietnam. Uh, one of the brewers is from Upland, from Colorado. Uh, but what's interesting about them is they are making all of their beers include ingredients from Vietnam. I mean, obviously the malt and hops has got to be imported. But for example, what we're drinking now is the passion fruit wheat beer. So the passion fruit they go to local farmers, so they're able to use whole passion fruit from local farms as opposed to say a puree or a concentrate. Uh, they have a, an award-winning um, stout, uh, an imperial stout, where it's local uh, fair trade cocoa. Um, so, some very, it, it's, it, like I say, a very, very unique sense of place. Um, so I thought, who's had beer from Vietnam, aside from, was it 33 or 3? <laughs> now I have. <laughs> now, now you have. Tell your buddy Dan Shelton, he's spending too much time in the Pacific. <laughs> he went to New Zealand, he's, he's now he's in Vietnam. That's cool. Um, I love tasting all these different beers and ciders. My vote for the show is I'm going to go back to the, the new release of Gold Rush from Oliver's because the, for, for years at cider events, I'd always be like, oh, everyone want to talk cider, but then they want to drink beer. And now this is the first time I'm like, I drank beer, but I want to finish with cider. So let's talk. So again, Gold Rush, you know, Ryan went over there, you know, wrap it up with your experience. 
or yeah. Tom in well, making this? Uh, I, I think I think what what I like about it is uh, not only do do we get to make uh, cider together, we, we get to hang out together, we get to go drinking together and eating together and meeting all each other's friends and workmates and everything. And it's it's a, for me, it's all about the celebrating what cider can be. Um, it it can be it can be whatever you want to make it. And uh, I think we're really making the most of the opportunities that, that we've both got uh, to make great cider and hopefully introduce great cider to people. It's it's a real it's a real thrill. And you know that the Viet- the passion fruit weed beer from Vietnam, it, the flavor's still in my glass. And so I got passion fruit gold rush cider here. Well, we're in. Don't count yeah. on that one. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, this this you mentioned this sort of the, the the beer occasion. You know, I think this cider really. As I said, we were drinking it the other night, you know, just right out of the bottle, 330 mil bottle, hanging out, drinking it like it was a beer in a in a bottle. I think one of the things it has and what one of the things that's important about great cider fruit is it has body, it has uh, tannin, and it brings you mouthfeel. And that's one of the things that beer just kind of has. And a lot of the time, if you're not using traditional cider fruit, your cider isn't going to have a ton of body unless you're putting a bunch of other stuff in it. But uh, this cider is so focused on traditional high tannin, bittersweet cider fruit, that we can have a cider that has this body and it, it, it lets you drink it like a beer, which is which is really nice. But, you know, frankly, we don't think about beer when we drink this. We think about cider. <laughs> and Ryan, um, I think, are you an, uh, on the board of the United States Cider Makers Association? I am on that board. Because we had, we had a couple guys on last week. Dan Wilson from oh, Slyboro. Yeah. Dan's a good friend. Dan, um, Dan's a fellow board member and good friend. And and what are some trends that you're seeing or, 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 or needs for, for hmm. cider industry in general to, to win over more yeah consumers. well you know one of the, the one thing that we have that the rest of the categories don't have is apples um and so you know to me the opportunity to win with cider uh is to focus on apple varieties and why they matter and not other things um and it's great when people are doing r&d and new product development and they're making ciders that have x y and z in it um and i have nothing disparaging to say about that but for me and where i think cider's opportunity is is in its varieties um you know the wine if you if you compare it to the wine industry you know they weren't like we should put hops in our pinot um, that wasn't it. Let's focus in on our Pinot and make our Pinot great. Um, and I'm not saying we're going to focus in on one single variety. Cider's a little bit different that way. Um, there certainly are great single variety ciders, but I think our opportunity is to one, talk about our apple varieties, why they matter, make great cider from them, um, and make sure that we educate drinkers on that, right? Because they don't really know. We, we live in a very, a nice little warm bubble, the reality is most people don't know what cider is. Most people don't know where it comes from. Most people don't really get it. Um, and that's why we're kind of sitting at 1% of the, you know, the beer drinkers right now as opposed to uh, over in the UK where it's, you know, 15 or don't quote me on it, but somewhere between 15 and 17% and whatever, it, it fluxes. Um, so, off, you know, I, I don't know exactly the numbers, but it's way more than we are, you know. So we were kind of, we're kind of in this opportunity right now where cider is happening live, right? It's right now. Uh, and so I we're actually, writing the book. Last week we had our cider event for Cider Week, and I actually had people come up to me and say, what kind of cider, as if they thought it was like fresh Soft cider. I yeah. had to say hard cider. Yeah, that's a that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we didn't have to say that. <laughs> I've got to tell you, it is it is getting better. Though. It is getting it, better. It, it, yeah, we're making progress. I think yeah. we're spoiled here in New York in yeah. that many people they understand the concept of hard cider. They understand the concept of heirloom apples and cider apples as opposed to just a super sweet sugary drink that you're getting served perhaps over ice at the bar. Yeah. You know, so I think we're lucky here because of the Hudson Valley and all the apple farms um, in New York State. But it's getting better. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, it's, we've, got a, we've got a bright future as a category. And, you know, there's a lot of people committed to making it great. So uh, ha- happy and proud to be on the board of the USACM and work with guys like Dan Wilson and, and so many other people that are really pushing cider forward uh, in, in, into the future. And a lot of people have been working on that for a long damn time. You know, uh, Steve Wood, who you gave a, uh, an award to the other night, you know, uh, without him, we wouldn't be sitting here. And, and we all know that. Um, and other and other people like Eleanor Leger at Eden and, and, and Dan Wilson and so many other people that are really just committed to fine cider. And then lastly, so, Tom, I know that you're you're kind of the steward of a, a very old cidery and, and, and an old orchard. Um, do you have a mission that, that, that you're trying to get people in your region to stick to? 
Uh, well, the the mission is is to go back and, as always, focus, uh, as Ryan says, on apples. Uh, we have uh, hundreds, um, if not thousands, of varieties of apple. Um, hundreds, if not thousands, of varieties of apple that can make fantastic cider. Uh, and if we're not careful, we're going to end up like every other agricultural product, focusing on a half a dozen. Um, and that's that'll be a, a cider making's loss if that is what happens. So I'm very intent on trying to keep traditional orchards alive, trying to keep traditional varieties going, uh, try and rediscover varieties that make great cider. It, they don't have to have a name. They don't have to uh, have a, a, any illustrious history. If an apple makes great cider, then that is a vindication enough to keep that apple going and you need to graft it or bud it, but keep perpetuating it. So focus on the, the fruit, make great cider, and, 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 and go forward with some sort of degree of optimism because uh, uh, cider is all about uh, enjoyment and food and making most of life. Well, cheers. And, uh, cheers. Ryan, you stole my cider. <laughs> he opened it and then he pulled it. He's like, I'm freaking out of the bottle myself. But thank you guys. Coming up for events, Cider Days this weekend in uh, Franklin County, Massachusetts. And uh, our event next week, if you're uh, in New York City, uh, it'll be our first uh, tasting event in the backyard of Roberta's where... The guests of the show will follow up with an actual tasting. It's a follow-up to New York Rye Week, so we're going to have rye beer, rye whiskey, and the Roberta chefs are cooking a rye-fed pig, and there'll be rye, rye bread and, and grains to eat. And that's the uh, New York Rye Night, and it'll be here at Roberta's on November 7th. Uh, yeah, sorry, you guys, wrong night. But tickets are at Jimmy's number four, N043.com, uh, and that's a great event with all our experts, it's the backstory of, of uh, Ryan New York and, and farmers and, and authors and whiskey and beer, of course. And uh, in closing, thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Big thanks to Tom, Ryan, BR, and Francesca for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to our producer, Justin Kennedy, and engineer, David Tattashore. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Cheers. Cheers, yeah. Jimmy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.